Welcome to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Here to talk all things hockey are your hosts, Brad Crisco, Ryan Hanna, and Evan Lobsinger. I, uh, I made a mistake the other day on Twitter and, you know, not, not like, a, oh, haha, I made a, a small boo-boo or like a typo because I make a typo every other tweet. And then the trick is it doesn't appear until a couple hours later. But no, I, I made a mistake and I owe an apology to our um, Sport City brethren out in Buffalo. Um, obviously, things in Buffalo are bad right now. The, you know, there's serious talk of whether or not they're going to move Jack Eichel. Does Jack Eichel want out? Like there's conversations surrounding that, the whole Jeff Skinner saga, Ralph Kruger, what's going to happen with him. And then as things do when they get bad, things get ridiculous and hysterical and not in the funny way. And so I saw Deline's name throwing out and I saw stats at like how Deline is a bust. He's 20 years old, by the way. Or Deline's not lived up to the hype or he's part of the problem. And and. I want to put this out there now. Nobody reputable was saying this. This was not like a real conversation. It's not like Delene was actually being shopped. <laughs> Without thinking about it, I just tweeted out like there's actual conversation about, uh, you know, moving Delene. That is so insane. I would drive to the airport myself or some one of those kinds of comments. It meant nothing. I'm a Detroit person. That's Buffalo. Didn't I didn't mean anything by it. It was literally just to highlight how stupid it would be to remove Rasmus Dalene, but hey, if anybody anybody wanted to be that idiotic, whoever got him would be the winner of the you should never have gotten this player in a trade lottery. Put my phone down, Mel and I were playing a, a board game, having some drinks, and it just would not stop buzzing. And then <laughs> I saw it's just like Twitter selectively shows you replies, and usually when they highlight one person's name, it's like someone with a lot of followers or something. And I saw the name and I, I can't I can't forget remember the guy's name and I apologize to him, huge radio host in Buffalo. And he replied and said, who's saying this? And I went, oh no, it made it to Buffalo Twitter. This is bad. And I looked at all the replies and people were freaking out. And I was like, I hate doing this, but I got to delete these right now before this gets worse. Because I think I've scared some people into thinking Delene is actually being shopped. And that is my fault. I'm an idiot asshole jerk who should have worded things better. And that is the day I learned uh, to... Think a little bit more before I tweet, and it only took six years. So I've got three takeaways here. One. That's bad. This is why I hate getting involved in hypothetical trade stuff, because this. Uh, Two, you actually have Twitter notifications turned on on your phone? Yeah, that's the most egregious part of that whole story. Are you okay? No. No, you guys should know that I'm not, right? Yeah, that's fair. And three, there's a function where you can kind of tweak your mentions so you don't get all of them. (laughs) I have worked on that, which is why when I see specific mentions, sometimes I'll check out like who, who tweeted or something, especially if I don't recognize the name. It's probably someone from another part of Twitter, like Buffalo Twitter, wondering why some dumbass from an unrelated team is <laughs> talking about shopping probably their most important or second most important asset ah yeah i we don't have the luxury of engaging in stupid hypothetical trades yeah no, no it's we, not a luxury because they're stupid my favorite thing going around that i have not partaken in because it's insane is obviously when a player like jack eichel is out there in trade rumors everybody's going to speculate 
It's understandable that Jack Eichel trade rumors have come from legitimate sources. It's an actual talking point. It's not just NHL trade rumors from Fred.com. It's, you know, Friedman's talking about it. McKenzie's talking about it. Whatever. Yada, yada, yada. And then I see it, those trade proposals leak into Red Wings Twitter. And it's like, would you give up Jonathan Bergeron and Tara Hirose and a third? Like, cause I think I would do that. And I'm, and my brain is like, everybody's aware that the, there might be one untouchable in the Red Wings organization for Eichel. And that's probably a stretch. If they want to trade Larkin plus for Eichel, they should do it. If they want to trade their 2021 first round pick for Eichel, they should do it. If they want to trade Moritz Sider for Jack Eichel, they should do it. I don't think people grasp that teams want good things for generational players. And Jack Eichel was in the MVP conversation last year. I understand that he's not 20 anymore, but you're not getting literally one of the best players on the planet for spare parts. Like, I think I I would probably move Lucas Raymond for Jack Eichel, but that's the only one in the organization where I might have a little bit of pause. Not that I wouldn't do it, but I'm like, okay, well, he's seven years younger. Maybe we should factor that in here. But yeah, can we please just if we're going to do these hypothetical Jack Eichel trade proposals? And I'm saying for once we should, because if the Red Wings can get Jack Eichel, they should do it. But you have to be real. Like, if you're throwing Dylan Larkin in that trade, you're adding Joe Valeno at a minimum. Like, <laughs> Jack Eichel is not a normal trade piece, and we need to understand that. Yeah, it's uh, it's really funny because it's this, somehow the same people who are looking at this organization and where they're playing and how they're playing right now and, you know, the bummer of the Red Wings game that was last night's against Columbus – and then the overinflating of the value of the very same players that they're frustrated with all season. <laughs> it's like, it's, it's a spectrum for sure. Like there's a range and just one game doesn't define a team, but yeah, don't, don't understate how important Jack Eichel will be to a hockey team. Anyways, there's going to be so much more on Buffalo uh, that's going to be relevant. And I'm sure we're going to get tons of questions about it. Uh, but for now, hold on before you move on the timing of this might be the funniest thing that's ever happened to me. As we're talking about this, I get a text from my buddy. I don't know if you can see this image. Mock trade to Detroit, Jack Eichel to Buffalo, GM tips from Steve Eiserman. <laughs> no deal. Sorry, they're going to have to add. They're going to probably have to include not Deline, but yeah, no, let's just make it an even Deline. <laughs> We'll throw in Chalosky and call it even. And just one final point to it, just so Red Wings fans understand what they're up against in attempting to trade for Jack Eichel, there are Rangers fans who are saying the Rangers should offer Lafreniere. And there's Rangers, most Rangers fans think they should do it. So just keep that in the back of your mind. You have to beat Lafreniere in a trade offer. For now, Detroit Talk. Welcome to the Winged Wheel Podcast. I'm Ryan Hanna. I'm Brad Crisco. And I can't find the mute button. <laughs> I'm Evan. <laughs>
Uh, on this episode of the podcast, we'll be reviewing the uh, atrocious previous game of the Detroit Red Wings. We'll be talking about the next game for the Red Wings and why that's important. Uh, we'll be talking about more about uh, the Red Wings trade board and uh, the trade bait. Um, an interesting piece from Craig Custance, well, his annual trade board uh, sparked some good discussion. And I think it's about time that we talk about that voodoo Um I don't want to taboo conversation, I should say, uh, that I've been trying to avoid since summer because people get very angry, which is do the Red Wings move Anthony Mantha? Some uh, news about prospects and news around the league before jumping into overtime. Uh, very quickly, though, while it's front of mind, the other night uh, on our Instagram story, a lot of you noticed that uh, there were uh, pictures and videos from inside the LCA, which was uh, very cool. Um, it was awesome to be back in the building. Um, not for us though, because that was not us. That is our good friend, uh, Everett at born to Dan hard on Twitter. That's at born to Dan hard. Uh, go give him a follow. Uh, Everett is actually, uh, in addition to being an incredible friend and a uh, sponsor for so many of the giveaways on the show, uh, Everett's going to be helping us out with, uh, some things, including our Instagram. Um, so, Sometimes those posts and comments will be from us. Uh, other times when you see stories like that, uh, that'll be Everett. So uh, Everett, we thank you for your help and thank you for tricking so many people. We probably got, I think, 30 DMs saying, how did you get in? <laughs> and the answer is Evan bought the team and got us in. That's true. You're going to see some drastic changes from the top down. Yeah. I can't tell you move. what those are yet. That's a Patreon exclusive episode. Are you it's painting a- the ice red? Well, we're getting rid of the black seats, that's for sure. Bring him back to red. <laughs> a man of the people. He's uh, he's keeping Felpilo, but moving him to the wing. It's truly groundbreaking stuff. He was All right, waivers today. I, I literally missed that. I found out an hour ago Philpo was on waivers. It was that inconsequential of a move. We are at the point where once a week, Eisenman chooses a an aging veteran that is not at all a risk to be claimed, and even if they do get claimed, who cares, and waves them. I think just to do it, just to feel something. No, it's for roster I and mean, cap flexibility, but uh, sorry, roster flexibility, but we'll get into that. All right. Uh, the Red Wings played last night. It's currently Wednesday night. They played last night against Columbus, a game which they lost 4-1. Uh, it was the first poor Jonathan Bernier performance or at least a game that didn't go Jonathan Bernier's way that's happened in a little while um the game wasn't Jonathan Bernier's fault I don't think he just he didn't do his usual thing which was heroically save the team he just you know didn't stand on his head this time and that is perfectly fine uh it was the third straight game that the Red Wings scored a power play goal in and gave up a shorthanded goal but yeah I mean (laughs) Um, and they probably should have had another. I still have no idea how Robbie Fabry didn't score on that empty net when Christian Juice walked around a couple Blue Jackets defenders into the slot and made that beautiful pass back door. But I mean, part of this is regressing to the mean because we knew in that over 40 slump is as bad as the power play is. They had some looks. They had some chances that more often than not would go in. So the fact now that pucks are routinely going in, because I think they were three for four on the power play in a stretch there, makes sense. Um, It was good to see Mantha shoot the puck. Um, This is why I like having him on the left side, because teams, I mean, I would rather Zadina on the right side opposite him, but having him on the left side there is good, because when he 
comes out in circles at the top of the circle. He can do exactly that. And yeah, the goal is nice, but they ran that exact play. I don't think it was more than 10 seconds before, and he had a good chance off of it that um, handcuffed Corpus Allo, but didn't go in. So like, screw it, do it again. And it worked. It was great. The power play looked competent. The shorthanded goal sucked, but that was a lot of bad timing, a bit of a fluke luck. And they were being aggressive, which led to a two-on-one for Columbus. So I guess you got to take the go with the bad. At least they were being aggressive. You know, it was it was good. It was a pretty uneventful first period. I feel like the Columbus goal and that goal were the only two things that happened that entire period. But hey, it was a, a cautious, cautiously optimistic start. And then the screen went dark and we didn't see what happened for the rest of the game. I wish. <laughs> um by the end of it, it was, I think, statistically one of the worst games the Red Wings have played over the course of the season. Uh, there were like, if you look at game score, in case you care about that, it's funny because you see the list of every player on both teams and how they ranked in terms of their game score. And legitimately, almost every single Columbus Blue Jacket was above every single Detroit Red Wing. I think the only ones that weren't were uh, the only Red Wings that ranked above any Columbus Blue Jacket were Anthony Mantha, who was Detroit's best player statistically that night. Um, Grice, who came in in relief, Christian Juice. And then that's it. <laughs> oh, this, is, this is such a long season. Oh, my yeah, God. It, it was a bad performance. And it's funny because usually those performances come on the heels of top Red Wings players like Mantha doing poorly. That said, you know, Bertuzzi's still out, Larkin's still out, Stetra's still out. The Red Wings are hurt. Um, and games like these are going to be more common when you're missing some of your best players like that. Yeah. It's not a game to go screaming, fire whoever, trade whoever, blah, 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 whoever, because it's kind of what the Red Wings have been all year. So it's 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 no real deviation from the norm. Um I just wish there were a couple more things we could have drawn in terms of a, hey, here are some silver linings. I don't know. It's it's hard because a lot of these games happen, and the only thing that's different is Jonathan Bernier makes a few key saves and stands on his head and does something that really the Red Wings didn't deserve to have in terms of goaltending. But this time, the Columbus shooters shot phenomenally, let me say that. Those were excellent shots they, they placed. Uh, and Bernier was just at par, slightly uh, subpar last night, and that happens. He can't stand on his head every game. I'm hardly going to you know, nail the guy to the wall for that. I, I will not tolerate this Jonathan Bernier slander. Let me start with this. Uh, three of those shots, like you said, uh, there's not a goalie in the league who is stopping any of those. Uh, Cam Atkinson slap shot, point blank on a two-on-one that goes just under the bar high glove. Nobody's getting that. Boone Jenner literally put one in off the junction of the crossbar and the post. You could not place that shot any better, which... High on Bernier's blocker side, and Jenner's a left-handed shot, so that makes it even tougher. Uh, the one goal was a deflection, where that thing was going over the net, and then it got deflected halfway and ended up going very low. No goalie stopping that, unless it just happens to hit you. Um, so I, I don't blame Bernier for any of Columbus's four goals. The one I would have blamed him for got called back on an offside review, so it didn't matter. But my... my key takeaway from this game and I understand the Red Wings were shorthanded and but Columbus was coming into this game ice cold one of the worst teams in the league over the previous two weeks 
Um, there is a t- there's more chatter in Columbus about Tortorella getting fired than there is in Detroit about Blashill getting fired right now. So take that for what it's worth. But Mickey accidentally kind of showed what the Red Wings' problem was that game before it happened. I think it was the first goal to make it 2-1, the one that was ultimately disallowed. But I think right after it was scored, Mickey said, okay, down 2-1, you know, now they're going to see if they can get back into it or, you know, this will test their resolve or something along those lines. And then the Red Wings allowed three goals in the next four minutes. And this was the one thing we were hoping to avoid last year is, hey, when it gets bad, just don't crumble. You're not a good team. It's going to get bad. It's fine. Just keep playing. And don't don't let the wheels uh, fall off the bus. The wheels didn't fall off the bus. Uh, they exploded. Because, again, it was... And I, I'm pretty sure... So if you count the disallowed goal, there was four Columbus goals in about three to five minutes. And I think Columbus hit a post in that span, too. So it's just... That's the type of thing you can't see. If the rest of the game went the way that did... And the Red Wings lose that game 2-1, 3-1. We're not happy, but it's it's fine. It's just another boring whatever game that the Red Wings lost. But the fact that they can have an implosion like that again after seeing it happen time and time again for the last three years and even a couple times this season, it's just disheartening. Well, the good news is it's one game, and the next game is uh, offering some kind of excitement. It's the fabled March 4th date against Carolina that we were talking about. And so it's important to note that by the time you're listening to this, this game has likely happened or what we're talking about will have been discussed. So uh, obviously the news here is that Carolina has Andrei Svechnikov. The Red Wings currently have Evgeny Svechnikov up in Detroit. So there have been opportunities in the past for Evgeny Svechnikov to play his brother, Andre when Detroit has played Carolina. And it's either through injury or through being sent down or whatever it might be that it hasn't happened. The talk about it happening this year is, I think, fair uh, because it's so long overdue. The Red Wings play Carolina again on the 14th and the 16th, admittedly. So if it doesn't happen tomorrow, whatever. But... It's almost not whatever. So Svechnikov was sent down uh, to the taxi squad with Bromo today. The typical paper move where those players who are eligible to get set down, paid less, saved the um, real dollars and, you know, accrual and cap space, blah, blah, blah. You've heard the story. Um, at When asked today, Jeff Blashill wouldn't commit to saying Svechnikov would definitely be playing tomorrow. And look, I get it. Blashill is the biggest believer and purveyor of like the typical coach speak like, oh, you know, we uh, make those decisions and I'll sit down with the uh, the coaching staff and we'll see what makes sense um, each night and we'll see how the boys do in practice. And, uh, you know, you got to earn your way on the squad. So nothing is guaranteed. And it, it doesn't matter if it's guaranteed that Svechnikov is going to play tomorrow, which I think in all likelihood is going to happen. Um, I think Svechnikov has played well enough to stay on the the roster and there's really no getting around like we've joked about the bobblehead night before like this one actually matters this is a family thing stuff like this matters in the nhl i don't think there's a way that blashill or anyone else can pretend that this isn't a storyline um again by the time you're listening to this 
It's likely that something will have happened. I think the likelihood is that Sveshnikov plays. And if it's that he got sent back down or didn't get recalled from the taxi squad, you'll probably hear from us pretty soon. Um, my frustration here is Jeff Blashill just, you know, it's been a tough rise for Sveshnikov with the injury and with being sent down in previous on previous occasions when he could have played his brother. Just say, yeah, he's going to be in. It's going to be a good moment. Why not just do that? Why make it frustrating? Is it the end of the world to 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 do this coach speak? No, but just the small nice things this season go a long way, especially for the fans. The fans care about this. Yeah, so there's a lot to unpack in that one little statement. And, and we make the jokes about Chalosky bobblehead night because yeah, bobblehead joke about getting a scratch. It's funny. Uh, let's not forget, Blashill did also scratch Chalosky for his hometown game. That was the more important one in my yeah. mind. Yeah, it was absolutely the more important one. It was his first game in his hometown. His entire family was there and Blashill scratched him. Players don't forget stuff like that, whether it's minor hockey, junior hockey, NHL player, like stuff like this matters to the players. There's a reason people still talk about what Mike Babcock did to Mike Commodore, did to Mike Medano, did to Jason Spezza, because it's it's garbage. It's we're not talking about a playoff game where every little minor difference matters. We're not talking about superstar players. I like Evgeny Svechnikov. I think he could be a, a good Red Wing for a long time. Not like a huge impact player, but he could be good. But an Evgeny Svechnikov or a Val Filpula in the lineup right now makes no difference to this team. I will argue that the team's better with Svechnikov versus a Filpula, but I understand that there's a likely reality. Svechnikov finishes, if he plays 56 games this season, he finishes with like 15 points and Philpola finishes with 10. It's not a huge, huge thing. But that's kind of the point. When you have a feel-good story like this upcoming, that means so much to a guy who's had so much go wrong in his career so far. In the middle of a goddamn pandemic where the fans, the players, everybody is grasping for just a little bit of enjoyment and ultimately it's going to make no difference in your season, you play Svechnikov in this game a hundred out of a hundred times, whether or not his play dictates it. Here's the thing. His play dictates it. He deserves to be in this lineup. We were banging the drum for weeks to put him in the lineup just to let him shake the rust off. He hadn't played so long. And then he comes in and he's a point per game player for three through three games. He's outscoring half the forwards on this team. He's played three games. He doesn't look like a defensive liability. He looks strong on the puck. He looks quick relative to his knee surgery. He should be in this lineup. And then to come out and be non-committal about it today. If we had asked Blashill this question on Monday and he was non-committal about it. Fair. We have the whole Columbus game. We don't know what's going to happen. There's no more games between now and the Carolina game. Svechnikov can't do anything at this point to piss off Blashill. Like, you know what you have in Svechnikov and you're... Then, then you factor in. There's no Larkin. There's no Bertuzzi. There are roster spots available. It is not like we are pulling Tyler Bertuzzi to the lineup to put Svechnikov in. This is the type of thing that goes a long way with the team. If they scratch Svechnikov tomorrow, he will never play, truly play for Jeff Blashill. That will be in the back of his head until he gets traded or Blashill gets fired. And it's not 
just Svechnikov. Players are close. Svechnikov, by all reports, is one of the most popular guys in Detroit. He is unfathomably kind and nice and just one of those guys. Read Sarah Sivian's article where she interviewed the brothers together and Evgeny's response is, man, this guy cares. Um, his teammates will notice if you scratch him and they'll remember that. I That's- do want to say, I think it, I, I don't think it's worth getting angry about Sveshnikov not playing because I think he's going to. Like I, I would think, bet yeah, quite a bit of money. That's the whole preface. This is me saying all this in the context of Jeff. Why the hell could you just not say today he's playing oh, and yeah, let yeah. everybody get excited? I think he'll play. There's no good reason for him to not play. Roster decisions, COVID, whatever. There's no good reason. I don't even know if they have another forward to put in his place right now. Um just say it. Let his family get excited. Let him and his brother get excited. If they already know and you've told them, you're just not telling us, fine. Let us get excited. Like this is a storyline Red Wings fans have been talking about for over a year, years. And we haven't got to enjoy it yet. This is a season where you are losing fans. Like I keep lose track of my interactions on Twitter during a game. Last night's Columbus game was the lowest interaction I have seen. Fans have checked out and it's going down every game. Overall tweets, not even just interactions with me, overall volume of content I see on Twitter for last night's game was way lower than usual. Red Wings fans are struggling to find reasons to watch this team. Putting Svechnikov in tomorrow gives us a reason. So not only is it dumb from a coaching decision, it's dumb from a money-making decision. Like it, I can't understand at all from any context why he couldn't have just said yes fetch is in tomorrow let's have some fun yeah i i think you nailed you exactly nailed that and i'm sorry for cutting you off because you're bringing that into a perfect point it's not about the fact that he's likely going to play or likely not going to play because again he's likely going to play and by the time you're listening to this you're going to say brad ryan maybe evan uh he's already played it's why not why not just Take a second, break the fourth wall, and say, hey, yeah, it's going to be a good moment. Like, it's a tough season, but what a good moment. We're even going to throw them out there, and we, we've we agreed that they're going to take the opening face off against each other. It's just those little things. And you're totally right, Brad. Instead of allowing – instead of being hyped for it, instead of this episode talking about how fun this is and, and just, you know, moving on because it's like, a I don't know, a medium-sized story, two brothers playing against each other, there's now the a, a extended frustration from Red Wings fans – People getting worked up as to whether he's going to play or not and their frustrations with Blashill and it all could have been avoided. It's just it's small. It's a, a mountain being made out of a molehill, but it didn't it never needed to be this way. It's and we have the content. And the problem is I'm with you, Ryan. I think he plays. I'm I'm 90 percent sure he plays. There's no reason for him to not play. He's played great in his call up, especially relative to expectation. But we've seen this with Chalosky. This isn't coming out of the blue. It's happened with this coach. So now we can't even play the odds on this one because it's happened so much. And if you want, and Blashill's a disciple of Babcock. And if we go back to the Babcock era when they were part of the same staff, holy shit, this becomes a really big trend. So yeah, no, we can enjoy it, even though the odds say we should be able to enjoy it because that thought won't leave the back of our head till we see the lineup. Mm-hmm. Anyhow, 
we'll have more perspective on this uh, next episode. Uh, assuming that Sveshnikov does play, it'll be a cool moment in an otherwise uh, mostly bleak season. So fingers crossed, just the the basic that basic box gets checked and we can have a little hashtag nice thing. Um, news today, like we mentioned before, Valtteri Filippula sent down on waivers. Much like his predecessors, Franz Nielsen and uh, Danny DeKaiser, likelihood of being picked up next to none. What does it do? Barely saves any cap space. Barely, it doesn't save any real dollars. He's paid the exact same amount. Uh, this is all about um, roster flexibility, which is a good thing. It's not an inconsequential move from a roster standpoint. If you're a big fan of guys like Svechnikov and Rasmussen and Giovanni Smith and what have you playing, this is the kind of move you like to see. So um, I think this is the third or fourth straight week or, you know, third time in four weeks or whatever it is that this has happened. So good on Steve Eisman. Small moves, but um, it's essentially what you can do to to get guys up this season. And this is what Eisman talked about before the year and Jeff Blaschel as well. Guys are going to be cycling in and out of the taxi squad in the AHL and the NHL and Hey, if you have 56 games and you're not going to win a lot of them, you might as well get as many of these guys in for decent looks as possible. Okay. The uh, Red Wings trade board. We've talked about this before. Luke Lundenning and how phenomenal his face-off percentage is. Uh, He's the Red Wings' biggest trade piece that's likely to be moved. Jonathan Bernier, another player. He's, you know, as usual, playing pretty lights out relative to the team he's playing behind. You never know with goalies, but if any team is looking for a goalie, he'll be top of that list or very near to it. Um, Bobby Ryan, Mark Stahl, both guys that could get moved. Bobby Ryan was kind of earmarked to get moved even as he was signed. That was kind of part of the agreement that they might move him to a contending team. Um, Mark Stahl, if he continues to, I don't know, on the surface impress people, someone might make an offer, and I don't see Eiserman saying no to moving a guy that he got a second-round pick to attain. The one I want to talk about today, there's two people that uh, Craig Custons on the athletic listed as being possible, you know, moving pieces that Eisman was listening to offers, Tyler Bertuzzi and Anthony Mantha. Over the, I think it was the summer, the first time I mentioned the Mantha thing. And I even said, I don't want to bring this up right now because people get angry and uh, I kind of screwed myself. It's like missing the boat on the GameStop stock. And all of a sudden you want, <laughs> instead of buying it at 90, now I'm buying it at 350. I'm going to burn myself on this. But hey, it's a Red Wings podcast. We're going to talk about it. I'm sure you both are going to have maybe differing opinions. Moving Anthony Mantha long term is something that I believe would be more beneficial. I'm not 100% on that, but if we're on a sliding scale, I'm on the move Mantha long-term side of it. And that has nothing to do with this season. It's not about the fact that he's underperformed the season, which he has. And it's not about, you know, being pissed off about his effort and just get rid of him. It's not that at all. If you consider his age and you consider how long the Red Wings have in the rebuild before they're competitive again, which is a long time. And you consider his, his cost controlled cap hit. If someone makes a right offer, I think you move him because it would probably align better with the Red Wings' long-term future. That said, this comes with a big caveat with of I don't move him as he's playing right now because his value is plummeted and I do not want to undersell on the asset. Yeah, if people are willing to pay 
last year's premium today. Sure, I guess. Um, the, the problem here is, is entirely in the deal because I'm not going to say whether or not we should move Anthony Mantha because I've said it time and time again. I would trade every single person in this organization for the right offer. But the right offer is hard to find because the thing with Mantha, like Ryan said, is he's 26. So yeah, by the by the time the Red Wings are contending again, like unbelievably best case scenario, he's hovering around 30, which isn't useless. Like there's there's value in that, and he'll probably still be an effective player, maybe not to this level, but if it's in the fourth year of this contract, well, that will be actually pretty good value still. So it's worth factoring that in. I'm not trading him for anybody close to his age because that would be a lateral move. And I'm not trading him for draft picks because that's too risky. We know what Anthony Mantha is and the teams that are going to want Anthony Mantha aren't giving you a top 15 pick. And outside of a top 15 pick, you're not likely getting a player like Anthony Mantha. And Anthony Mantha is the type of player I don't want to move for bulk. I need a central quality piece coming back if a team like i gotta pick a basement feeder that's not too far la comes and offers their first round pick for anthony mantha this year that's probably going to be around 10 you consider that even though you don't want to move him for a draft pick that's that's a worthwhile gamble you have to find the right team the right time the right spot with the right surplus of prospects now there are a lot of teams that will fit that bill but how much do you value their prospects so a team like toronto assuming they have the cap space they don't but let's just assume they do they come at you for anthony mantha because they're in their cup window they're very close to a cup they're a favorite anthony mantha will help that and they want to, and they're going to be in their window for a few years, so it makes sense that he has term on his contract. Does Nick Robertson get that trade done for you? For me, it wouldn't. How much more do they have to add with Nick Robertson to get Mantha? I'd say at a bare minimum, a first round pick. But I don't think Nick Robertson's going to be Anthony Mantha, and I don't think a late first round pick is going to net us anything more than a third line player. So you're basically trading a second liner and a third liner for Anthony Mantha. Do you make that trade? Do you like that trade? I don't, but that's probably going to be pretty close to the asking price in a reasonable Anthony Mantha trade where the Red Wings would get lucky, and it probably doesn't happen this year, is if there's a team like Los Angeles who's turning the corner because their rebuild's well ahead of the Red Wings, but they're still, you know, bottom to middle of the pack team. When they want to turn that corner, they're like, okay, we want a Mantha. They can't fit all of their prospects into the lineup because my god they have so many they're not getting byfield and turcott and kaliev and bjorn fought and i could keep going and going and going and they come at you with one of those prospects okay we want to be good now i'm not saying this is the guy but i'll use him as a hypothetical we want to be good now but we don't have a spot for alex turcott Mantha for Turcotte. Would you do that? That's the type of trade the Red Wings should be ideally looking for. Not that it's going to be Turcotte specifically, but you're looking for that that high-end prospect that you're reasonably certain is going to be good. That is four, five, six years younger than Anthony Mantha. And you just got to find the team that has the that can afford to lose a product prospect like that. 
There's not many of them. They're not usually willing to give them up. Last year, the St. Uh, St. Louis Blaine's uh, St. Louis fans were willing to write off Jordan Cairo and trade him for just about anybody. And he's arguably their best player this year. So it's hard, but if, and believe me, for me, it's a big, if you're moving Anthony Mantha, that's what I'm looking for. And I'm not really moving off of it. Man, I don't, I would be grinning ear to ear if we got Alex Turk out for Anthony Mantha. We're moving <laughs> down in age and probably up in skill. But I think the hard thing is, is like, what is Anthony Mantha worth at this point? Like, I feel like I'm super divided on what Anthony Mantha is. I see a high end goal scorer who can, who can fly like the wind and, and can score at ease. But then this year, I, I'm not sure what I see. And, I, I honestly think if you're going to move on from Mantha, you're going to have to gamble with the return. I don't think the initial value will be realized until down the road. And I feel like if they traded Mantha, we'd probably be upset with the return at first. That's just my gut feeling on it because it's going to be unrealized. It's the most reasonable take, right? Like we can theorize about whatever player we'd want you know, whether Turcot or this prospect or that prospect, but we're speaking as, you know, from a Red Wings perspective. And Evan's right. Like, you're going to have to gamble and it, you're going to hate it at first. Honestly, what I see, like, let's say Anthony Mantha moves anytime within the next 12 months. Assuming he's playing at a level close to where he is now, which is not good enough compared to what Anthony Mantha could be doing. The best thing you can hope for is uh, what happened when the Eric Carlson trade happened when everyone was like, oh, that's a weird return for Carlson. You would have expected more. Now, obviously, that shook out in a very different way, and that's not the point here. But, uh, yeah, you, you you would have to gamble on the return if you're trading Mantha with his value as is right now, which is why I would advocate for probably not this year unless Mantha all of a sudden starts torching it again. You're probably looking at a 2022 or maybe even 2023 trade. When Mantha looks good, he looks unreal. But when Mantha is underperforming the way he appears on the ice, it's going to turn coaches and GMs off from wanting to trade for him. So they're going to try to either lowball Detroit or they're not even going to be interested. So my answer is a a stupid cop-out fence-sitting answer, but it's long-term trade, but only if he gets his performance back up we'll reevaluate in maybe a year or 18 months as to whether it'll ever come back up. I think what you do is you hold on to him for now, unless a team just comes out of nowhere and gives you an offer you can't refuse because like it or not, the team still needs names that people recognize and sell jerseys and, you know, are the, one of the faces of the franchise. Um, So if there's no, ultra enticing offer i think you hold on to him and you see what shakes out with his production and and then go from there and you know maybe we're looking next season and he's on a huge goal pace and maybe that's the time that uh you make the move but i still like anthony manta i i think even in his later years as this team rounds the corner and they develop their core he could be a, a huge piece and a huge supplementary piece to the team it's just right now it's it's tough. It's very tough. All right, so let's play a hypothetical. If you could go through the standings, go through the league, find a team that's in a position where they probably want to add someone like Anthony Mantha, what would be your ask from them? So 
Um, and what, like, and when I mean ask, be realistic, obviously, what's, what's the minimum you would take from that? Alex team? Ovechkin, not moving anywhere else. Gotcha. Alex Ovechkin 10 years ago. Perfect. I love it. So, okay, well, let's do the one that, let's just pick one team and let's do the one that is involved in every Mantha rumor. Montreal. What would you actually need from Montreal to trade Anthony Mantha? <laughs> Nick Suzuki. <laughs> Assume they it, they're in win now, so let's assume they're not giving up anything from the active roster of consequence. First round pick and Ryan Paling. Do they I, do that? Thoughts? I thoughts? have I have my answer, and it, Montreal would laugh me off the phone. But is am I out to lunch on that? No, I think you're in the ballpark of what would actually happen. Um, I would hate that trade. <laughs> But I, I think that's Xavier probably- Roulette in a first round pick. I've heard good <laughs> things about his offensive production. <laughs> I don't think I actually don't even think uh, they would do Paling in a first. I don't think I, so either. Uh, Paling isn't highly viewed in Montreal anymore. You could probably get him and their first round picks going to be around probably pick 20 this year. So I don't think it's that consequential. But if I'm if I'm the Red Wings and Montreal calls, OK, we're, we're in it to win it this year. We're going for the cup. What we need Mantha now. I'm Cole Caulfield straight up or I'm hanging up the phone. Oh. It would never yeah, happen. It would yeah. never happen. But that's that's my value of Anthony Mantha. Because if Mantha, he's been terrible this year. And statistically, he's still one of the best Red Wings. If Mantha gets his shit together, we know he's a 30 to 40 goal scorer. What's Cole Caulfield's best case scenario? A 30 to 40 goal scorer. Who's going to have a lesser dimension than Mantha because he doesn't have the board presence and likely, as weird as it sounds, the defensive acumen that Anthony Mantha has. Because Mantha's defensive metrics are great, largely because he's huge and gets in every lane. Um, so what What to me is Cole Caulfield's best case scenario? It's Anthony Mantha. Except we're getting, we're regressing six years, which is what we want. It's too idealized, though, because we constantly, and we're guilty of this, I think, more than we'd like to think, we are constantly evaluating based on the idealized version of Mantha. And there's something to be said about uh, players. Players can have a way more raw skill than they are actually, you know, utilizing. It, it, it refer back to Evan's analogy previously, which was like unrealized versus realized gains, that kind of thing. You can probably pay, copy paste that onto this argument. It's, you have more often than not players that go through their entire careers without sniffing their max potential. Mantha's 26. We know the kind of player he is. Right now, he's slumping. If he slumps for another year, is he slumping? Or did he just peak and there's an effort issue or there is a, you know, finding your game as much as I hate stupid intangible throwaway phrases like that. Those are real things that not only matter to GMs and coaches, they matter for on-ice production. And you're right, Brad. Mantha at his worst right now is still one of the better Red Wings on this team. But you you cannot get past the fact that Mantha has probably spent more we've, – we've spent more time – substantially more time talking about the player Mantha could be rather than enjoying the player we know Mantha can be. Except for last season. Yeah. He he was a damn near a point per game player last year for 40 something games. And the injury sucks, but that's not nothing. Mantha lit up Montreal last year. So they saw firsthand what, what he's capable of. And just to flip the other side of this, if I'm Mark Bergevin, and you call me and you say, I'm giving up my first round pick in 2021 and Ryan Paling. 
I will be submitting the paperwork to NHL uh, to the NHL office before you hang up the phone. Like that, is, that would be a ridiculous deal for Montreal. They would say yes a thousand out of a thousand times. Would they? Yes. Well, actually, yeah, no doubt in my mind. They'd be insane if they didn't. Mark Bergevin is definitely the GM you'd want to target here because one, the French Canadian connection that will never go away with Montreal Two, Mark Bergevin is fighting for his job right now. Yeah, he's firing Claude Julien, firing his goalie coach in the middle of a game, which is bizarre. Um, He is fighting for his job right now and he's not going to get the saves. So he's going to try to pay for the goals. You gotta get a you gotta get a GM, a, a Bergevin and Chirelli, that kind of thing to overpay. That that's a prime target right there. And and just to throw a big old can of gasoline on this fire, what is Montreal struggling with right now? Goaltending and scoring. GMs, they don't score enough. They need they they scored a lot at the beginning of the season, but that is tailed off. They don't have an Anthony Mantha on that team. They don't have that natural gifted goal scorer. So. Care, they need to save from Carey Price, and they need someone to start putting the puck in the net. Um, I'm going to wrap this with one single thought. This will not – Anthony Mantha's slump I don't think will go away until he is allowed to play Toronto and fight Jake Muzzin. I think this is a <laughs> voodoo curse thing, and with the divisions being realigned, we're in some kind of holding pattern until that can be resolved. doesn't matter who wins the fight. It just needs to happen. So uh, as fun as you might think the North Division is – we uh, can hope for reamalgamation next year. All right. Before we move on, I want to talk to you about this episode of the Winged Wheel podcast being proudly brought to you by our sponsors, the FanDuel Sportsbook. We're thrilled to partner with them as they give us, us fans what we really need, more excitement in the game. FanDuel is America's number one sportsbook for so many reasons. It's easy to use from registration to deposits and finding great bets. Withdrawals are quick and easy. You get your money back in as quick as 24 hours, and they're constantly running great odds and special bets. Now listen to this. FanDuel is letting you place your first bet risk-free up to $1,000. Just place a bet on any game and FanDuel, FanDuel will refund you up to $1,000 back if you don't win your first bet. No strings attached. If you win, you keep the cash. If you lose, you'll get up to $1,000 back in site credit. Uh, we wish we can bet on games like tomorrow's Carolina versus Detroit Svechnikov Bowl. That would be a great time to use uh, the $1,000 risk-free bet that we hope the listeners do use. What you need to do is download the FanDuel Sportsbook app to get started with a risk-free bet of up to $1,000. Be sure to sign up with promo code WWP so they know the Winged Wheel podcast sent you. That's FanDuel Sportsbook promo code WWP. You must be 21 and older and present in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Illinois, West Virginia, Indiana, Colorado, Iowa, Tennessee, Virginia, or Michigan. First online real money wager only. Site credit is non-withdrawable and expires in 14 days. Restrictions apply. See sportsbook.fanduel.com for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana. 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Illinois, or Virginia. Tennessee Redline 1-800-889-9789 in Tennessee www.1800gambler.net in West Virginia or call 1-800-270-7117 in Michigan. All right. Uh, news from around the Red Wings prospect world. I just want to give some love to Keith Petrozelli. He went 6-0-1 in the month of February. Uh, 1.39 goals against average, 938 save percentage with uh, Quinnipiac uh, playing college hockey. So, that is the Red Wings goalie, the face of the Red Wings goalie pipeline right now. He's taken over from uh, Larson in recent years. Um, Hobie Baker finalist as well. I'm hesitant to 
declare Keith Petrozelli the goalie of the future because I think we got really excited about Larson as well. But man, for Larson to kind of maybe have an off year or two, it was really important for someone else to step up and fill that void because the goalie answer is not answered. And Petrozelli deserves uh, a ton of recognition there. I mean, he always had the raw athletic ability. It was just a matter of putting it together. And hey, it took him all four years in Quinnipiac to do it. But oh boy, has he been good this year. So um, I was reading something about the plan for him is to finish out the year in Quinnipiac and then sign his pro contract with Detroit. If not, he could become a free agent. So obviously Detroit will need to get on that sooner rather than later. But if Quinnipiac doesn't go deep, I, I kind of want to see him in Grand Rapids for a few games this year. So he, he's our best bet. That's the reality of it. So after with Larson's injuries and struggle, subsequent struggles, if you had to put your money on a horse in this Red Wings goaltending race, yeah, it's it's Petrozelli right now. I don't know if I'm putting money on a horse. Goaltending is voodoo. Yep. And uh, especially, you never know who's going to come up to answer the bell for the Red Wings starting goalie. But right now, the Red Wings goalie future looks like um, Jonathan Bernier. And that's it. Um news from around the league mark bergevin says he told stefan wait who is the goaltending coach he was fired during the second period last night <laughs> we talked best when they fired julian about you know this is bergevin not death throws but he's really scrambling to get something here what is the purpose of firing a goaltending coach halfway through a game what does that do best excuse i can think of is they didn't want it to be a distraction before the game no 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 yeah it's reaching i know i know i don't have anything good that just seems insane but didn't even montreal win that game like i thought that price only allowed one goal so I can't imagine it was a moment of that's it. I can't take this anymore after Price lets in five or something like that. It wasn't one of those games. So I I don't know. It's just confusing. Did he just bump him in the hall? Oh, by the way, uh, pack your shit. Get out. It was definitely, you know, it was definitely a fight or some kind of something boiled over. My thing is, it's not even a bad move, right? Like, Carey Price, your $10.5 million goalie, you can't exactly just fire him, so you have to do something to change up his performance. Bring in someone else to get whatever you can out of Carey Price because you absolutely need to if you're going to win with this team. I don't think he can, but it's his job to try because he can't exactly rebuild because then he's gone for sure. Um, It's just funny. Does it matter? No, but it's just funny and it's signs of dysfunction and hey, we rip on Buffalo, but what's Montreal if not Buffalo or what's Buffalo if not Montreal in five years? Is that dramatic to say? Probably. I don't know. I don't think you can draw any uh, direct comparisons between any team in the NHL and Buffalo and how their rebuild, which has been, I think, the entire millennium so far has gone, but such a stupid, bizarre situation. Um, I have so much hope that Mark Bergevin will just make panic moves and trades and overpay for someone from Detroit. I heard they're struggling on faceoffs. <laughs> I I I am edging towards the point where I think Detroit gets a second for Glenn Denning. 
I I can't. I <laughs> that's insane to me, and I love it. Oh my god! If there wasn't a pandemic right now, I would bet they get a second for Glenn Denning. The pandemic still is going to throw a wrench into trade values, but oh man, could you imagine if there wasn't? Um, I almost want the trade deadline to be tomorrow, just so there's no time for his uh, face-off percentage to, gre- to regress to the mean. Even though it does live, like it is fueled every time a commentator talks about his uh, uh, face-off percentage, it actually, he wins nine out of his next 10 face-offs. So that's why he's riding such a hot streak right now. And so you know what? we make, f- yeah, go ahead. And you know what's going to happen when we, after we trade him? It's going to plummet. We're going to get that commentary every time the Ravens lose a face-off. Oh, this is where they're missing Luke. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, boy. Anyways, uh, let's jump into overtime here. We're going to take questions and comments from, on this midweek episode, our Patreon supporters exclusively. They are the people that make this show go round. So thank you all so much. Uh, you allow us to pay Evan's wages just for being here. He is not cheap. Let me tell you that. A lot of commas there. Uh, we're going to start with Quaz, who says, Will Svetch play Svetch? Only time will tell. Also, bravo Larry Murphy for expressing his true opinion on the re- reverse retro jerseys. Oh, we didn't even talk about those. Yeah, they were about as memorable as you would expect. Yeah. Were they, ug- take- were they ugly? No. What, do I remember really what they look like on the ice off the top of my head? No, not really. They were so boring. My hot take is that I thought they were fine. I didn't like how they meshed with the jer- the helmets and the pants and nothing can make me forget how disappointing they were in the face of all the other jerseys they could be. And I will still buy one when they go on sale because no one's buying them. Uh, Andrew Bo- Bohan says, good morning, my lovely dub dub host. In your opinion, would it be preferable to re-sign Bernier now or try to get him after he goes to UFA and protect Grice? Also, how long before Blashill gets bored of seeing Svechnikov? I have no preference if we keep or lose grace um that being said if i don't think when it comes to the expansion draft the red wings goaltending is going to be an issue because they do have an interesting dilemma on defense now which is where i think the red wings are most likely to lose a player uh la plata peaks is how many first round picks do the wings need to have in 2021 before brad would be okay with taking Jesper wallstat in the top five in this the includes top if five this includes if, Hughes, includes if Hughes, Power, Clark, Beneers, and Johnson are available. After five. So you're yeah. telling me one of Hughes, Beneers, uh, Johnson, Power is available at pick six? Cool. I need uh, – the only way I'm comfortable then taking Wallstead at five is if our second first-round pick is sixth, seventh, or eighth. <laughs> Otherwise, Brad. no chance. Evan, we really need to go hard on the Wallstead train just to piss off Brad. I, I agree. I like Wallstead. <laughs> I'm just not picking him in the top 10. I'm never picking a goalie in the top 10. Uh, oh, Mika's here. Uh, Cody Stark says, please delete my Twitter account for me. I wish that was Brad, but unfortunately it's Cody. So, Cody, no, if we have to suffer, Brad, you're going to have to suffer with us. Arjun Shanker says, you got to get a mod in the Patreon Discord. Yes, if anyone wants to help, if anyone has experience modding uh, Discord channels and wants to uh, help out with that on uh, the Patreon-exclusive Winged Wheel Podcast Discord, give us a show on Discord. 
Also, since overtime uh, is roughly a third of the show uh, and it's usually filled with garbage that you have an obligation to see, I think you should rename it to the third period collapse. <laughs> I'm happy I didn't pre-read that comment. That was funny. Uh, that would be a lot better and on brand. Brent Rasmick says, which team will be in rebuild re- mode the longest? Wings, Sens, Sharks, or Sabres? Sharks. I think we're a little further ahead than the Sharks. I'm going to go Sabres here because I think I don't have any faith that they figure out the uh, Jack Eichel situation well. Uh, AJ Voss says, I really had hope that the uh, reverse retros would be better with full gears. Um, like, But like everything Red Wings related to the season, I was disappointed. They could have popped if they just made the gray stripes red and went to the old Gordie Howe era white jerseys. What are the odds Wings wanted to do that? But the league said, well, no, if you change the colors, it's just a re- retro, not a reverse retro. So they tacked on gray to not have to pay the design team more. I heard something funny between, you know, Adidas or the team wanting to do something different. It was all kind of rumor, so I don't want to substantiate it too much more. But you could even tell by how often the Red Wings were rolling it out. The poor Red Wings social media team who had to tweet out, you know, that these are when the jerseys are being <laughs> played. They're not like they know that no one likes it. The team knows that no one likes them. They're just trying to be done with these. That's why the last time we're going to see them is Thursday against Carolina. And that is it. Um, they have to get it right the next time, though. Um, <laughs> Brad, the message you just sent in the group chat. <laughs> Uh, Evan, when you get a chance, look at the messenger chat. That's hysterical. Wow. You make me real excited for kids, Brad. Um, should I tell the host or should I tell the listeners? No, (laughs) I don't care, but nobody can ever say parenting isn't weird, man. You can hear Mika in the washroom right next to Brad with the door open. And that's where I'll leave it. Uh, Callan S says, DeKaiser still does not know how to pass or shoot. It's frustrating. Um, I'd love to say that's going to change, but it won't nate schwartz says if the red wings decide to trade one or both of mantha and bertuzzi what is your ideal return we chatted about that Wingnut says last year people claimed the wings were intentionally tanking but i defended them uh that they just sucked from years of trying uh this year it seems tougher to make the claim they're intentionally keeping their best young players who might be good away while playing known black holes um in the lineup instead is this year more obvious intentional tanking from everyone coaching staff and up the players are trying to win of course I think it's definitely a passable excuse when Eisman and Blashill say that they can't just bring up the young guys and expose them to this kind of a bad team. But there's definitely something to be said for the amount that, you know, the Philpla and the Nielsen's and, and the Kaisers and whatnot have been played. Um, I think it's a combination of both. That's that. The, the thing is, if they're up, like what Brad said before, what's Feshnikov going to get? 15 points compared to Philpla's 10? It's not going to move the needle a lot. They're still going to finish where they're going to finish. I'd be shocked if it had much movement on the standing. So I don't know if I'd scream tank quite yet, but it's a fair point. RC Tendi says, can we please get a Sveshnikov or Sveshnikov opening night face off? I want this so badly, but we know Blash Hill will be a dick and scratch him. Also with Raymond being out the rest of the regular season for Falunda, I hope they can get eliminated before he comes back so we can jump onto the Griffins. Antonio Gracias says, just stop by to thank Evan for his driver and hitting net. Was a bit surprised when the driver was shaped like a hockey stick a la Happy Gilmore and the net had a picture of Brad's face with his teeth blacked out and a villain mustache penciled in. Stay fresh, Evan. <laughs> Evan, you know you have to add a, a Brad um, aim board right in the middle of your hitting net now, right? It's very funny we're talking about my hitting net because I was just tonight f- thinking how I could probably fit it in our garage. <laughs> 
You would you have that much confidence that you are not going to just put that through a wall. You need to stand closer to the net. I've missed a hitting net before. Why? Same. So have I. <laughs> yeah, that ball went way further than it should have. Yeah. Evan's neighbors hate him. <laughs> What's left of them? English Major says, Sup, guys, it's time, it's time for your favorite game. Who says no? Incoming Brad Eye Roll. If Arizona's shopping Clayton Keller and with Arizona trying to cut money, Anthony Mantha for Clayton Keller. Who says uh, no? Uh, who says no? Yeah. Probably Detroit, just because I know Eiserman values his cap flexibility and Keller's comes with more AAV and more term. Um, I'm actually not too familiar with Keller's game recently, so I'll take your word on that. Hear me out. Uh, Arizona's a bunch of cheap skates. Mantha has less money in turn, plus Keller is younger. Uh, also, before I get forget, and this is really important to me, Tony D'Angelo can eat all of my back hair. Gross. But yeah. <laughs> That's okay. a good one. Anyways, for reference, uh, Clayton Keller's got 14 points in 21 games this year, but he has signed at $7 million a year for at least five more years from what I remember. That would put him above the – that would put him in the Red Wings lead, correct? Uh, yeah, but he's also over the his last two full seasons put up 47 and 44 points. Matt says, I'm trying to be optimistic about Mantha. Do you think there's a chance he's so focused on staying healthy that he's almost playing scared? It wouldn't excuse him to play uh, – it wouldn't excuse him play, forgetting to play basic defense. I'm just hoping he's not pulling up here, Luke Dubois. I don't think this is a trying to stay healthy thing. It's not like – I don't see that part of his game suffering. He's been clamoring for a fight recently, actually. Brad's anger manifested says, how does a team going go from putting up nearly 50 shots on Chicago to throwing up a mere 20 against Columbus, watching Columbus finding the tightest of spaces under the crossbar, and then seeing Detroit put up one shot in the first 12 minutes of the second period was brutal. Um, one, experience Red Wings hockey. Two, the Chicago statisticians are on something, and I want whatever it is. Uh, jet ski guy Stan Club says I was watching the Oilers game and towards the end of it the broadcasters mentioned how badly they needed a right-handed centerman who could win face-offs in the D zone and I lost it we may be entering the part of the rebuild where Stevie drafts a franchise goalie with the first round pick Kent Hall and sent him for a depth player you joke but <laughs> and Holland but. has brought a lot of former Red Wings to Edmonton. Let's not forget Shahan, Yurko, a couple other guys have had pit stops there. So, yeah. And Glenn Denning doesn't need anything to help him because he is every coach and GM's favorite player. They just love the way he plays. But Holland loves Glenn Denning. Terry Driver of Evans Furk Wagon says, Good day, Dud Duds. Terry the Driver, driver here with a hot trade. Mantha and Gino for Nikash. Would this trade be stonks or not stonks? Stonks. I, I don't think Carolina would do it. Yeah, Carolina would not do that. Um, Barry Crafts says, How many players will Eisenman move at the deadline? If he gets offers for five or six, will he move that many even if the return are late round picks? Uh, most of the returns on there. Who's not going to get a late round pick on this team? Glenn Denning, Ryan Bernier. Everybody else is getting a fourth or later at best. Um, Isaiah Nagurski says, do you think we'll see Svetch Rasmussen and any other young guys stuck on the roster to finish out the year either now or after the deadline? Yeah, I, I think you see a considerable amount of games, especially after the deadline. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Just because the trade deadline if they move three guys they got to replace those spots with somebody so either they take on some crappy vets back in the trade or we're seeing 
my my guess would be Hiroshi, Rasmussen, Shalosky, if assuming they move a defenseman, that would be that would make sense. Uh, Michael Barry says, "What do you expect from Eisman if he trades Mantha, which we talked about, and what do we expect if half of the, if half the salary is is retained? Oh, I expect a lot of salary is, is retained." Because that's not even a lot of salary to be moving. Oh, yeah. If you get Anthony Mantha for four years at like two and a half or under $3 million, yeah. I, my ask starts at two first-round picks and one of your best prospects. <laughs> like that is yeah. ridiculous. Those are the type of deals that win teams' cups. Which, by the way, uh, the Red Wings should very con- seriously consider doing if they are moving Mantha because... Well, yeah. They have the space. Just retain the money just for the extra assets, honestly. <laughs> Tori Blakely says, hey, guys, joined your Patreon last month. Tori, thank you, and welcome to the Dub Dub family. Says, as someone who's, who works second shift and doesn't have cable, the insight you give still lets me feel connected to this team, but I'm not sure it's a good thing or not. Uh, no question. Sorry. No question about my birthday's Thursday, and all I want is Feshikov brother matchup. I'm feeling prepared for the super exciting news that he's on the taxi squad because FERC Wings fans have nice, nice things. <laughs> Having nice things. Tori, um, if I wanted it before, I want it double now just for your birthday and happy early birthday. Lars, the prophet of the towering behemoth, says it's been a while since the Red Wings abandoned the winning ways and our coaching staff status for the next season is unclear. Question is, can a losing coach create a winning culture? If you run a team circling the drain for eight years, mm-hmm. is it even remotely likely you can be the man to turn it around? How common is that in the world of sports? Not very, which is why I think even those who don't think Blashill is to blame for a lot of things that maybe a lot of people are frustrated about. You see a lot of them even saying Blashill, the Red Wings should move on. Um, I'm not saying it's impossible. I just think even if you have the highest opinion of Blashill, how many times have you seen that happen where a coach it's sports are, are tenuous and you don't see long-term coaches anymore. It's just not the nature of the game. Ian says, answer a question for a lifetime hockey fan, but a strategy novice. If Dennis Cholosky is an all-offensive upside and all-defensive downside, why isn't he a forward? He could still quarterback the power play. Because Um, his strengths are relative to where he plays on the ice. One of, at least in my opinion, Cholosky's biggest strengths as a player is he manages the offensive blue line incredibly well. He knows how to walk the line. He finds... He might be the best player in the entire Red Wings organization at finding uh, seams through traffic with his shot, even though he doesn't have a, an incredibly pow- powerful shot. Um, he's a good distributor from that spot. He's he's really good when he pinches up the wall. So these are not positions forwards play from. Um, it's, it's a defensive side of the offensive zone that Chalosky excels at. Brad, remind me next episode. I owe you an apology. I will not tell you why, and you have to ask me next episode. Um, Ghost of of Podcast Pass says, what is the least Price could do and still get into the Hall of Fame, and what's the most Larkin could do for the rest of his career and not get in? Uh, I think Carey Price is already a Hall of Famer. He could retire tomorrow, and he's a Hall of Famer. He's got multiple gold medals, holds the Montreal Canadiens franchise record for wins. He's got multiple Vesnas. Carey Price is a Hall of Famer today. Um What's the most Larkin could do? Continue his career trajectory exactly as it's been so far. The Red Wings see very little playoff success, and he peaks every season around 60 to 70 points. Oh, that one hurt my soul. 
Kyle Williamson says, if there was one thing Blash Hill could change about his behavior uh, to make him be a coach you want to see stay, what would it be? Do you think it's plausible? And uh, he seems to have smart hockey mind, so his decisions leave me scratching my head. Hashtag keeps fetch. He has so many flaws that I would need corrected. I'm just going to start small. Svechnikov better play tomorrow, and we'll go from there. <laughs> one step at a time. Oh, the next comment, uh, I love this patron or this patron says the person reading this is beautiful oh ryan thank you for supporting the show (laughs) it was worth it just for the uh the buck i threw in uh which is better in your opinion a big hit a big save a beauty snipe or a pretty dangle oh man i man after my own heart i'm i'm a, a beautiful dangle i love a huge hit but i think nothing beats a good snipe i'll go with the snipe um, C-Nod says, in reference to my question last time, Scrubs is my favorite TV moment wearing a Red Wings jersey. It's a Chelios uh, jersey and the actor who played Dr. Cox narrated the 08 Wings uh, championship DVD. Also honorable mention to Dave Coulier on Full House repping the team. Odds they scratched Svech for his game against his brother. I don't know if you heard the story Chelios told about Babcock, but he benched him for his homecoming outdoor game in Chicago just as a power move. These acts by Blash scratching on bobblehead night, not playing, I mean, um, Probably the Vancouver game mattered more. Uh, not playing Svetch against his brother are the, from the same vein. Do you think it's similar or am I just crazy? There's similarities between Blashill and uh, uh, Babcock, but I hesitate to draw the hard comparisons. But from what Brad was shouting before, like you can't ignore the, the, the similarities. Didn't everyone always say that uh, Blashill was sort of like a Babcock junior? Remember when we thought that was a good thing? Ugh. I'm sure those takes were te- are terrible. Oh, yeah. Not great. Third man in says, uh, I assume Buffalo would find a package they like better elsewhere if they do de- decide to trade Eichel. What does a realistic trade involving the Wings and Mantha look like, and would you do it? Like with Buffalo? Yeah, for Eichel. I don't think Buffalo's going to get what they want for Eichel anyway. No. I don't see them winning an Eichel trade. Me neither. Like, what could you possibly get that's going to be better than a Jack Eichel? Like, I, I just don't know any team that'd be willing to play that. But Mantha's moving. Two They're, firsts. Or if you want less than two firsts, it has to be one of Raymond or Cider. Has to be. Yeah. Like, <laughs> that's why I just don't see how a Jack Eichel trade works. No. I would pay the price for sure. Adam Larson, one for one. Let's not get crazy. Maybe if Eichel, if Adam Larson and a third for Eichel in a second, then we're calling it even. I agree. You're probably looking at Mantha Valeno multiple first, and that's like not enough. Not even. I yeah, no, it's just not happening. Yeah, so you don't want Detroit to be giving up picks given where they are at, and then y- y- the whole point is to rebuild. Like, yeah, Jack Eichel would obviously accelerate it, but that might put Detroit into a bad spot and just into sort of the, instead of being last place, second last place, third last place, it puts them into eighth last place, ninth last place, which is probably worst, a worse place to be. Yeah, because then you're going to miss out on a Shane Wright, that kind of thing. Uh, Adam Kalsert says, fun fact, uh, John C. McGinley, uh, Dr. Cox from Scrubs and Chris Chelios are friends in real life. Pretty sure he even wore a Chelios uh, chili shirt in an episode. Additionally, they hang out with John Cusack, Tony Danza, John McEnroe and others. They're known as the Malibu Mob. If you had to have a nickname for you three, what would it be? And no, the Winged Wheel podcast doesn't count. 
Oh yes, our uh, our our best thing is our creativity. That's for sure. And our our t- t- how long it takes us to come up with episode titles. <laughs> we're wild. Like, when was the last time we were all able to to like drink and party together? It was probably Brad's bachelor. Pro- oh my god, it was years ago, eh? Probably the last time we drank was that like together was probably at a Red Wings game. Yeah. And Crystal probably drove. Bless her soul. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Poor woman. Uh, a nickname? I don't know. You guys have to come up with this for us, which yeah. I already regret that. You guys are infinitely more creative than us. Yeah. Uh, Evan Beckner says, okay, Glennie isn't Coleman or Pajot, but is he Paul Gostad? Gostad, a fourth rounder. Gostad and a fourth went to Nashville for a first 21st overall flip to Calgary. Calgary took Mark Jankowski. Gossett had seven goals, three assists for 10 points and a 57% faceoff percentage. 2012, uh, also the most comparable to this year's draft in terms of overall talent. So maybe that loosens the grip on some late firsts. Also, Ryan Reeves got a first, so hope is always alive. That's a great point, and I've been thinking about Gostad a lot. I remember that trade, and I remember thinking, holy shit, that was a lot. Um, that said... You're right. It's not out out of the realm of possibility. It takes the right GM with the right frame of mind. And by right, I mean wrong for them. It could happen. Yep. If it's happened before, it will most likely happen again. It's just striking at the right time. And expert fashionista Tim Gunn says, good evening, podcast divas. Today I'm playing the role of reverse retro jersey designer. There's a way to make sadness work that doesn't make me sweat out my vomit through my suit when I look at it. Picture this, the 32 Falcons jersey, flip the colors so that it's a solid red with white stripes, replace the gold lettering with silver, the old Cougars logo over uh, a V as a shoulder patch, sleeve numbers and captain letters set in diamonds. Is it a good jersey? No. Would it be one of the better reverse retro options in the league? Absolutely. Make it work, fashionistas. Someone mocked that up because that actually sounds awesome in a hilarious way. It's better than what we got. Of note, in yesterday's game, the only Red Wings uh, wearing a letter was Luke Glendening. Only Red Wing wearing a letter was Luke Glendening. Also of note, the next seven games are against the Hurricanes, Lightning, and Stars. Is there a win somewhere? Stay fresh, cheese bags. You, d- you, just, know, you just know the Red Wings are going to come out of this better than expected. It's just how it works. 100%. But hey. Glenn Denning trade value. That's what I'll take from it. Glenn yep. Denning is going to be the hero of every one of those games. I think you're right. All right. And with that, uh, if you haven't noticed, Brad actually had to run out early. So Evan and I are going to take this opportunity to enjoy the peace and quiet. We're going to wrap up this episode of the Winged Wheel podcast. We will be back with you on Sunday to talk all about the Svechnikov Bowl. Or if not, you might hear from us sooner. Uh, we, we are excited to uh, cover even more of the conversations that um, – surround like the longer term storylines the trades and whatnot but for now we'd like to thank all of our listeners our name level sponsors arjun shanker terry driver of evans firk wagon taylor tagel ryan hubbard uh eve bartell on behalf of the sarah grand foundation ra zach spring citizen high five cody stark greech jake Kiefer, scott martin jacob turner matt mckay craig kibble brandon m matthew m rice luke johnson kaylin wood hassam alkasem arjun shanker hana lee sam bankson andrew bohan jeremy brocker who is a brand new name level sponsor i believe so welcome jeremy uh kevin mccracken josh yelton another former junior goalie turned golfer trevor pevavar evans bingo card connor Leighton, put sea sauce on my wings matt keeler uh, expert fashion 
fashionista Tim Gunn, Antonio Gracias, John Evans, Joseph Minima, Quaz, Stan Olson. Thank you all so very much, and we will be back with you on Sunday. Thanks for tuning in to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Be sure to check out wingedwheelpodcast.com, where you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll also find links to other ways to support the show, such as Patreon, official podcast apparel, and more. And don't forget to follow the show on Twitter at Winged Wheel Pod. And of course, the hosts at Brad Crisco, at Ryan Hanna WWP, and at Hockey Town Evan.